this morning, you haven't been here for a couple weeks, you're jumping in kind of at the tail end of a series. We've been doing a series on some of the topics of Advent. Uh, because we don't typically do the, the whole Advent candles and all that, I got all the, all the words messed up. They're not in the right order. So if today's not the right day and you're like, it's supposed to be this and it's not, um, we just do grace and we do forgiveness in this house. So uh, that's uh, appreciated. But um, we talked in the last couple of weeks about, about um, hope. You know, and having the thrill of hope that uh, it goes beyond this lifetime. For some, you know, you're facing something hopeless, and it seems like it's nothing that you can do about that, but hope goes beyond here, and it can bring that, that thrill that, that, uh, that we need. And we talked about peace on earth. Uh, if you weren't here last week, I'd really encourage you to listen to last week's message. We talked about the idea of having peace here, peace with others, and peace with God, and it, it affects each and every one of us. So, um, some of the words of Advent, and Advent is just this anticipation for the arrival of something great or someone great, and so when we celebrate Advent or the, the, uh, celebrating the arrival of Jesus, uh, for many, uh, many, and maybe you have the Advent calendars and you, know, you count down the days till Christmas, somebody gave our children Advent calendars this year, just dropped them off at our house, that, that was great, um, thank you for that, uh, but the kids, uh, we had explained to them what the Advent calendar was and so they're eating the chocolate and, and uh, then this week on Monday, uh, Max, uh, we, got to down, we got to the kitchen and all of his chocolate was gone and so uh, we... Uh, we, had, we asked him, like, uh, what, what happened? Why is all the chocolate gone? I'm feeling a little bit bad for him because now for the next number of days, he's going to have to watch all the other kids get chocolate, and he's not going to get any. He's like, well, yesterday I was able to eat three, and this morning I was able to eat four, and so now they're all gone. And, and we're like, okay, you do know you're in trouble, right? And he's like, he's kind of got that look of, like, I accomplished something great. You know, I ate, I ate all the chocolate, and we can't can't figure out what he's, you know, what's going through his little brain. We're like, well, we can't really punish him because it'll be punishment enough when he doesn't have chocolate tomorrow and whatever. And so it's just like, yeah, it's okay, you know, whatever. That night, as we're talking, he's like, hey, Dad, did you see my advent calendar's empty? I was like, yeah, yeah, we talked about this this morning. He's like, does that mean tomorrow's Christmas and I get to open my presents? <laughs> I'm like, oh! He's just way, way too smart. This is, he had a plan all the, all the way along. But you can't speed up these great things. And as many of you, as, you know, that, that we think about these, these things we anticipate, we can't speed up the process. And uh, that's what we talked about for hope. Hope carries you through the waiting time. Peace in the, t- in the journey because uh, we can't speed up the outcome. And for, for some of you, there's different outcomes that are, that are uh, on the um, uh, horizon for you. You know, you can't speed up pregnancy. If there's things you can't speed up, you don't know, necessarily speed up healing or when, when uh, uh, answers to prayer, things like that. But there's, there's that hope and that peace that go along. And so today I want to talk about the third one. And this one's tough because uh, it, we could talk about this topic all year long, and we often uh, uh, touch on it in every single weekend that we're here. And it's this word called love. It is such a broad, broad topic, and uh, it's one of the words in our culture that's lost a whole lot of its meaning. It just doesn't mean, it just doesn't have that same, um, that same strength or meaning of, uh, uh, that, it, that it could and that it should, and we want to look a little bit at that today, because we use that word lots of times, right? I'll say that I love my wife, and uh, she'll say that she loves me, and we love our children, and, and there's, some, there's some strength in those words, right? If you, you know, you love your family members. But then, then there's the other things, which I've heard people say, oh, I loved that Star Wars movie. Uh, and I was like, okay. And then others are like, I love my dogs. And for some of you, I can't understand, but you say, I love my cats. And uh, for some, it's, I love Hewitt's ice cream. Um, I love the maple leaves. You know, I, 
I love the snow. That was me today. Well, this week it came in. It was like, oh man, I just love the snow. What winter without snow is just terrible. And, and I love Christmas, or I love. And if you think about the things that maybe you said of the last couple couple of weeks, what were some of the things you said? Oh, I love I love that. That word, like loving my wife and loving chicken nuggets. How does that the same kind of? Love, I tell you, it is not. But, you know, we have, we have songs about love that we sing, you know, from Elvis crooning, I can't, I'm not going to sing it, but, you know, I can't help falling in love with you, you know, with that lip and that, like, whatever, you know, he's, it's just like, oh, it just melts your heart, right? Uh, and then we've got the new modern love songs that probably should be called lust songs, you know, Ed Sheeran singing, I'm in love with your body, and man, how far we've fallen from where, like, great love songs till, till now. People falling in love with one another as if it's like a, just a whole, I couldn't help myself. Just like, oh, I just fell in love. And then later on down the road, all fell out of love. And like, how does that happen? Um, according to the Beatles in their song, they just said, it's easy. Is there anything you want to do? It's easy because all you need is, and then they would say, right, love, 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 right? It's not just all you need is love. It's like even on the karaoke version, it's 12 times, you know, all you need is love. Love is all you need. All you need is love. Uh, and it's, it's easy. Just think about songs, you know, on the radio, there's that song, it's beginning to look a lot like Christmas. And if you know the song, what do they describe? There's, there's the five and ten is, is glistening again with candy canes and silver lanes aglow, right? Then they talk about the toys in every store and the holly on your front door, the tree in the Grand Hotel, the one in the park as well, and all these things that say, hey, it looks like Christmas. It looks like what we think Christmas is all about. Maybe your lyrics are different. Maybe yours is like, we're stressed out to the max. We're buying the gifts, paying the tax, fighting for parking spaces at the mall, wishing my kids would pick up the phone and call. Whatever it is that your Christmas, it's like, it's those feelings that surround the holidays for you. But is that what Christmas looks like? And when I think about Christmas and I think about the first Christmas when love arrived on the planet, that there is something powerful about that moment that, that I don't know if, if it really begins to look a lot like Christmas at all. And that's what I wanted to talk about this morning. It's not that there wasn't love on the planet before Jesus came. There was. There was, you know, if you, if you had children, there was a parental love for kids. There was a love for your BFF. Uh, you know, there was things of, of loving people that, that were good to you. And, and uh, Jesus' most famous message as he arrives on the planet, he begins to change what people think uh, about certain words, words like love, topics and thoughts like uh, the, way, the way we treat one another. Matthew chapter 5, if you have your Bible, you can scroll there. Or, uh, it's, it, Jesus said this, uh, it's the Sermon on the Mount. It's his most famous message. He's talking to huge crowds of people, and he says to them, you have heard. So, you know, in life, this is what you've heard. You've, you've heard it's the, the law even, not, not just like people say this. This is like, this is kind of one of our laws. This is, this is how we live. You've heard it's the law that says, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Everybody's like nodding. Yeah, yeah, we've heard that. And if he would say, hey, just go out and do that. I mean, that, how easy would that be, right? If I said this morning, hey, as a good Christian, just go out and love all the people who are really nice to you. And then, you know, those people who really annoy you, feel free to hate them. How many of you would be able to do that? Pretty easily, all of you probably pretty easily. I'm like, I'm raising my hand for nothing. I don't know where he's going with this, right? But, but, but it would be, we would, we would just do that without thinking, right? We can, it's easy to love the people who are nice to us and hate the rest. That, that's no problem. But then he says, but I say, you know, this is what you've heard, but, but I'm telling you something different. You know, this is what love has always kind of been about. Love those who are nice to love. But he says, but I'm telling you something different. When, when love came to the planet, real love, it changes the way we think about it. He says, but I say, Love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. Well, that's not nearly as easy to do. 
It says, in this way, you'll be acting as true children of your Father in heaven, as followers of Jesus, true children of God. There's a, the love looks different. That love means a whole lot more. And we're great with, people, uh, with loving people who love us, but how, how are we doing with this love your enemies thing? Not everybody then was ready for that kind of message. Not everybody now is ready for that kind of message. They weren't ready for that kind of truth and weren't ready for that kind of love. There was crowds of people who loved it. and they were just, They'd follow Jesus around and like, just tell me something more. Just what's the next thing? You know, keep telling me about this because I want to know. And then there was others. They'd kind of the fringe people. They'd hang around on the outside, stroking their beards, looking like, we don't like this guy. We don't like his popularity. We don't like his message. We don't like this, all this stuff about this, this, whatever this love he's talking about. That's not possible. And they began to um, think about how they could challenge Jesus and find out, you know, maybe we can trick him. Maybe we can find a hole in this message that he's talking about. And Luke actually, Luke was a historian. He talked to, to the, uh, as many eyewitnesses or ear witnesses, people who had been there listening and, and watching Jesus. And he wrote down the accounts of what they said. And he wrote uh, this down in Luke chapter 10, verse 22. It says, uh, one day an expert in religious law, so somebody who knew the law that we were talking about earlier, not just knew it, was an expert, studied it to find out as a lawyer, how do we, how do we um, find ways around or how does the law stand against people? He says to them, one day an expert in religious law stood up to test Jesus. Now that's never a good thing to do. Just in case you're like, I just want to, you know, put out a fleece and test the Lord. Not a good idea. It's not a good idea to, to test somebody who knows all the answers. Uh, and so here Jesus is in this spot, crowds around, this guy stands up, yeah, I just want to let you know I'm an expert in uh, religious law, and I uh, just got a little question for you, thinking, God, I got him, right? I got, he's, he isn't going to know what to do with this. And he says, teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? And the crowd's like, oh, how's he going to answer this, you know? What's a, this, this guy, I mean, he's, he's an expert. He knows all the religious laws. He already knows about, you know, sacrificial laws and everything. And so they, they just lean in a little bit. And Jesus replies and says, Love it. He, he answers the question with a question. He says, well, what does the law of Moses say? And I could just see, he, he wouldn't do this. I would, you know, since you're such an expert, right? Jesus wouldn't do that. But he'd say, you know, since you're an expert, what does the law of Moses say? And how do you read it? And, and so the man answered. He said, well, right away. He says, you know, what? The, the, the law says you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind. And you know where they would have got that from? Every Every evening and every morning in, uh, in Jewish culture, especially ancient Jewish culture, there's this thing called the Shema. It's where they would pray this one verse from Deuteronomy chapter 6. And it was these words, Hear, O Israel, the Lord is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. And they would, they would remind themselves of that every morning and every evening so that it was there. So when he was asked this question, it's a no-brainer. It's like, yeah, that's the number one thing. But he adds this thing. He says, and... Love your neighbor as yourself. Do you know that's not, that's not in that part of the Shema? That's not, that's not there. Do you know where that came from? These guys had actually come to ask Jesus a little earlier and, uh, before, saying, trying to test him, say, okay, Jesus, what's the most important commandment? He's like, well, you guys all know that. It's love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. But he's like, it's a tie. It's not just love the Lord your God. It's like there's two most important. And the second one is love your neighbor as yourself. This is this guy who was probably there or had been put up to it by his buddies and like, make sure you answer, the, make sure you answer it right because this is the answer he's looking for. And so he says, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Thinking, got you there, Jesus. Now what, you gonna, now what do you have to say? And Jesus says, right, you know, 
Maybe to pat him on the back and says, you know what? Do this. Do this and you'll live. And that, you know, wasn't really the man's question. It wasn't like, hey, what do I got to do for eternal life? It was more. It was this idea of how can we find a way around? And so then Jesus answers, or he asks the question, wanting to justify his actions, he asks Jesus, so who's my neighbor? You know, if I'm supposed to love my neighbor, if I'm supposed to uh, uh, do love the Lord and love my neighbor, well, who's my neighbor? And Jesus replied with this story. If you've been to kids' church or Sunday school, you, you, you know the story. It's one of the famous ones, but... Jesus tells it to this crowd that's there with this one man standing out in front of the crowd. He says this, a Jewish man was traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho and he was attacked by bandits. They stripped him of his clothes, they beat him up, and they left him half dead beside the road. Can you picture it? He's given details. He wants them to see in their mind, here's one of our brothers. Just picture one of your family members, one, the one that you love, right? Just going down, going down, and all of a sudden gets mugged, left for dead. It says, by chance, a priest, a religious person, comes along. And when he saw the man lying there, he crossed the other side of the road, and he passed right on by him. And then he says, and then a temple assistant. You can just see this guy. He's like, wait a second, these are the people that, that, that sent me here. Like, the, the, the expert in religious law is like, okay, the, the Pharisees, the religious people, the, the temple people, they're the ones who made me ask this question. And he stands there. And Jesus continues, he says, the temple assistant walked over and looked at him lying there, but he also passed by on the other side of the road. And they sit there and listen, knowing something's coming, and they have no idea how bad it's about to get. And he says this, then a despised Samaritan. And everybody's like, you know, and instantly in their heads they figure, the Samaritans are these unworthy people that we can't stand. It's the people everyone looks down on. There's no way this guy's going to do anything good. And they think he's just another part of the story. But he says the despised Samaritan comes along. When he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. Going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged them. Then he put the man on his own donkey and he took him to an inn where he took care of him himself. And he says this in verse 35. The next day he handed the innkeeper two silver coins. They would have sat there thinking, silver coins, like, that's a lot of money. This Samaritan's giving away this much money. And he, but he says this, he tells them this, take care of this man. If his bill runs higher than this, I'll pay you the next time I'm here. And then he asks the question, Jesus says, now which of these three would you say was a neighbor to the man who was attacked by bandits? You see the guy stand there, the one who showed him mercy. I can't even say the Samaritan. Like, how is it possible that that he's the one in the story. And Jesus says to him, yeah, now you go and do the same. And the religious leaders on the fringe would have been thinking, oh, he did it again. We were going to make him look bad, and somehow, here we are, looking like fools. We're the, we're the religious people. Everybody's looking, the ones dressed on the outside, like, hey, we're, 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 all, we're religious, or this is, what, this is what we're paid to do. We're paid to be good. We're paid to, to know the law. And he says, and, and you guys are the ones who got it wrong. It was simply the one who showed compassion and actually went way over and above. Because it doesn't matter how religious you look or sound. It's do you love? And Jesus alludes to something in this story about what love looks like. A different kind of love. Because he says it's not just compassion. Lots of people would have, could have had compassion. All three of them saw the man. But he had this love that's sacrificial. That cost him something dearly. And it's one of the last things that Jesus tells his disciples before he leaves this planet. It's in John chapter 13. John is another one who was there watching Jesus, listening to Jesus. And so he writes down this account. It's a long conversation that he has with, 
with, uh, with, that, they ha- that Jesus has with the disciples. Uh, they're sitting around a dinner table. Judas leaves because he's about to betray Jesus, to just betray his best friend. And, and, and as soon as Judas leaves, Jesus says to his, his, his uh, disciples, his fellows leaning, and I got to tell you something really, really important. You find in John chapter 13, he says to them, I, I'm, I'm leaving. I, I'm, I'm going, I'm, go- I'm laying down my life. And he says to them, so now, verse 34, I'm giving you a new command. I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other. You see, there's all these commandments that everybody's trying to follow. You know, we even brought it down to love the Lord and love people. But he says, so I'm just giving you one command. Just love one another. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. And your love for one another will prove to the world that you're my disciples. A little while uh, down in the conversation, John chapter 15, uh, it says this. This is my commandment. He, he repeats it again. Like, you can picture like, you know, a parent with their kids. You tell them a couple times. Or a wife with her husband. It's like three times, right? This is, the, this is what I need you to know. Just focus, remember this. This is my commandment. Love each other in the same way that I have loved you. There's no greater love than to lay down one's life for his friend. There's no greater love than sacrificial love. And when you hear the word command, that sometimes can be difficult. I don't know about you, but I don't really love commands. Especially if, I, especially if I don't know the person who's giving them, right? Maybe you work at an you know, at a, at a industry where you know, there's upper management and all of a sudden the command comes down the pipe and it's like, listen, you guys got to do this or else you're fired. Like, okay, fine, I'll follow that command or I'm losing my job. Fine, I'll, I'll follow the command. Command has this kind of mm, word to it. But you know when you're in a relationship with somebody, commands don't seem as, as difficult. And that's the, part, that's the part of it. If we focus on the command part, we really miss the most important part. And so I want to just show you these two verses again. In John chapter 13, verse 34, Jesus says, this is my, um, or, yeah, so he says, I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other just as I have loved you. I, I'm not commanding you to do something that, that, uh, that uh, I haven't done. He says, realize that I have loved you, and so you should love one another. In John 15, verse 12, same thing again, right? This is my commandment. Love each other in the same way that I have loved you. C.S. Lewis said this, on the whole, God's love for us is a much safer subject to think about than our love for him. On the whole, God's love for us is a much safer subject to think about than our love for him. Because if you get stuck in the command, what you'll hear this morning is, hey, go out and Jesus' command to you is that you've got to go out and love people. And you're like, okay, then I'm going to do it. I'm going to love people. And you're going to get to the cafe and someone's going to take the last brownie right in front of you and you're just going to be like, Ugh! I'm a good Christian. I'm going to love them. And you're going to have to go to Tim Hortons and buy one and just be like, oh, you know. And, 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 or others, it's going to be worse, right? But, you, you know, you go through your life and you're like, oh, I, I, I got to try to love people. They treat me like dirt. I just don't agree with what they say. They have different beliefs than me. I'm going to love them. And he's not saying that at all. He's saying more so this thought of focusing on God's love for you. And he says, you know, when, when, when people realize that you love the way that I loved, is what Jesus is saying, the whole world's going to know you're my followers. Why? Because nobody loves like that. People on this planet don't love with this sacrificial, costly love for one another. They might for people that they love, but they're not going to do it for their enemies. He's saying uh, there's something really, really expensive about this love. When we think about Christmas, beginning to look a lot like Christmas, we can think about expensive. MasterCard tells you, you know, that's priceless, but it's not true. It's expensive. You know, the gifts, 
the tree. They cost money, the decorations, the lights, the parties, all the extra groceries and food. It's expensive. Well, real love, that genuine love that, that God's talking about in these, in these um, stories, in these, in these commands, is this expensive, sacrificial type of love. It's illustrated in the story of the Good Samaritan going way over and above. It's modeled by Jesus for his disciples as he lays down his life for his friends and it's demonstrated to us by God when he says, while you were still sinners, that's when I died for you. I didn't wait till you were deserving. I didn't wait till you, you know, acted better, got your life together. Man, I just love you. I'm willing to lay down my life for you because I love you. And he says, love other people like that? You know, I thought... I thought you said it would be easy. The Beatles said it would be easy. Jesus did it. You know, he's like, it's not going to be this easy kind of, uh, kind of love. Not easy to do on your own. It's not something that we can just try really hard at. You know, I talked with some of our, um, so I, I've met with, with some atheists and, and having conversations with them. They said, you know, why, why do we need God to be good? Like, you guys think you need God, but we just think you can just be good for goodness sake. Just just if we would all just try a little harder to be nicer to each other and be loving to one another, it would all be fine. And yet it doesn't work because we just don't have that in our capacity, not, for, not once it gets past the spot of people we like. And so last thought this morning is how. If that's what his command is, well, then how do we do it? Well, this, uh, this week I came home from, um, I think it was band practice, but I got home pretty late. It was like uh, maybe 10, 30, 11 o'clock. I walked in my house, and I, and I heard my two boys. Uh, they're five and six years old, and they, uh, they were st- <sighs> I know. I know. They're five and six years old, all right? And, and they're, it's way past their bedtime, and I hear them like, Full volume when I get in the house. I hear banging. I hear, and I'm like, I walk in. I'm like, where is their mother, right? Uh, and so I'm thinking, well, she must be having a great time putting them to bed. I'm going to like sneak downstairs. She not even know I'm here. She'll take care of bedtime tonight. I'll go sit down and wait on my couch downstairs, watch Netflix. Maybe she'll bring me a tea. You know, it's going to be, this going to be a great evening. And I know some of you are looking like shocked, right? Yeah. Um, you try to put my kids to bed. <laughs> so, so as I... As I kind of go downstairs, but I get downstairs, and, and I see Beth already there with a tea. And I'm like, okay, well, if you're not putting the kids to bed, well, who's putting the kids to bed? And then I was like, nobody's putting. So then I went, she's like, I already put them to bed. I was like, so I go up there, and I'm like, I walk down the hall, and I hear all this bang. And I'm like, okay, we've got to find out what's going on. And then all of a sudden, I hear these words, love spigot. And then all this laughing and whatever else. And then, and then I hear some, one of them yell, hate spigot. And then there's pounding and pillows going off each other's heads. And, and then it's like, oh, 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 love spigot. And then they're, and I'm like, here in the room. And then every time they say love spigot, they're hugging. And every time they play, say hate spigot, they're smacking each other with these, these pillows. And so finally, it was just like, turn on the light. It was like that shock look, you know, like, oh, like what are you guys doing? Max like, dad, we, uh, we're playing this game I made up. I'm like, okay. It's called love spigot, hate spigot. And I'm like, okay. He's like, we learned it like in our Bible study today. <laughs> How do I discipline when this is something you learned in your Bible study? I'm like, okay, it's bedtime. I'll go figure this out. So I go and ask Beth. I'm like, what? Do you know anything about love spigot, hate spigot? And she starts smirking. She's like, uh, that's from Bible study this morning. I'm like, okay, well, what is it? And so they uh, they've been listening on Right Now Media. 
to this study by Phil Vischer about what it means to be a Christian. And uh, I, I couldn't quite figure out the lesson until I, until I watched it. And this is what Phil was sharing. He, he said from 1 John chapter 4, and this, was, this is John, the same John who wrote about that, that night before Jesus died. He's writing years later to, to followers of Jesus. And he says, dear friends, let's continue to love one another for love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. But anyone who doesn't love doesn't know God for God is love. He says, God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so we might have eternal life through him. Verse 10, he says, this is real love. This is real love. Oh, we don't have it up there. You just have to trust me. This is real love, he says. Not that we love God, but that he loved us. This is real love. Not that we tried so hard to love God, but that God loves us. This is real love, that God loves you. And that he sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins, my sins, your sins. Verse 11, dear friends, since God loves us this much, we surely ought to love each other. As he read those verses, he talked about how we can't love others unless we really understand that we've been loved by God because it's his kind of love. God is that love. And he says, like a garden hose being connected to a spigot. I'm like, ah, I'm starting to understand, right? The garden hose on its own is just a garden hose. It can't do anything other than just be a hose. And it says, but once it's connected to the house, once it's connected to the spigot, the water can flow through for the gardens or washing the cars or whatever you need. And he's like, that same thing. Staying connected to God allows his love to flow through your life. It's like being connected to a love spigot. And I'm like, oh, they totally missed the point of this message. But, you know, that idea of us as people being connected to God, allowing his love to flow through us, focusing on his love is the key. Because if we th- focus just on the command, we're going to get it wrong. But if we would just realize and remind ourselves about how loved we are, that this cross was for me, that God loved me so much that he sent his son for me, that as we celebrate Christmas, the arrival of love, it was for me. That when we realize that we are incredibly loved and we live in a culture that's craving love, that's some are, some are trying to buy love. Others are selling it. Some are, you know, trying to, um, to, to use love as something that they can manipulate others with. This desire to be loved everywhere. What do we, what do we need? People who are, who are step into that culture knowing I'm already loved and I can simply share the love that I have because I'm not trying to earn it. I'm not trying to deserve it. I'm just simply loved And so when Jesus says to his disciples this command, as we close this morning, it's a command for us as well. He's not telling you to go and love sacrificially, not not going out to love others no matter who they are so that God loves you. He's not saying, hey, you're going to be a better Christian if you would go and do this. He's not telling you to love so that he'll love you more. He's telling you to go love because you're already loved, because you're so loved in response to that, to go and love others, being aware of and experiencing God's love allows us to simply love other people, to live in response to Emmanuel, God with us. A.W. Tozer said this, I, I want the presence of God himself or I don't want anything at all to do with religion. I want all that God has or I don't want any. Let me read that again. He says this, I want the presence of God himself or I don't want anything to, at all to do with religion. See, it can be so tempting, especially, especially even for myself in that role of Saying, hey, you know, let's have a great church that people want to come to. Let's have awesome music. Let's have a great kids ministry. And let's, let's focus on all of those things. But they're all peripheral. Because what we really need is the presence of Jesus in our everyday life. So this morning, as we do life, it's not like, how am I going to go be a better Christian? Focusing on God, help me to stay in your presence. Just connected to you. 
aware of you, realizing, recognizing that I'm loved by you, and let me go show that love to the world. Famous verse, most famous verse in the Bible, John 3, 16. For what? For God so loved the world that he gave. It causes us to do something. When we realize that, that, we, that there's the love that we have shown to us, it becomes this outflow to the world. And the question we just need to leave this morning with is this. No matter who you face this week, as you face somebody at the cafe as you leave, kids ministry worker downstairs, your family member in the van on the way home, uh, whoever it is along the way, the gas station attendant, grocery clerk, boss at work, to ask yourself this question this week. What does love require of me? What does love require of me? Just simply, in our face-to-face, no matter how I feel about them, what, what does love require of me? And as we... Begin to allow love, that kind of love that says, you know what? I love people just because they're people. Not because we agree on all the same stuff. Not because they're dressed a certain way. Not because they're in the same financial bracket as me. Not because they even like me. I'm just simply going to love because I'm loved. And it will begin to look a lot more like the first Christmas. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word and for your challenge to our, to our hearts. But above all, thank you for loving us. <laughs> Man, we were... And sometimes are not in great places, not in places where we are deserving of it. But, Lord, you are incredible. And we just want to say thank you this morning for for all that you've done in our lives and for sending Jesus for us, for rescuing us from, from the mess that we found ourselves in. Thank you for that incredible love. And, Jesus, thanks for loving us enough to not leave us where you find us, that you keep working in our hearts and keep working in our lives. Uh, Lord, I pray that this week, as we go out from this place with you, with your presence in our lives, that we'd have opportunity to share your love with those around us. May they see you. May they see how good and how amazing and how loving you are through our lives. Thank you for that. Father, thank you, thank you, thank you for Christmas and the, the, just the truth that it is for each and every one of us. Lord, for those who don't know you, I pray this morning that, that your love would surround them, surround them fill them, uh, that they would realize that you are real and that you're calling out to them to come follow you. Thank you for this time together. It's in your amazing name we pray. Amen.